part of my decision was, you know, obviously being invited to a world's team and putting on your country's colors is a, you know, who who gets to do that? But also I want them to see that, you know, anything is possible. If you work hard, whatever it may be, you know, consistent work hard and don't give up, you just don't know. So, but it was just like, for me, sometimes we have to make a decision on something and I chose it without really questioning it, you know, and being fearless and taking a risk and having an opportunity and doing it. So I think sometimes people just say no to things and sometimes you just have to just say yes and look what happened. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 86 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Roberta Groner is a 229 marathoner, full-time nurse, and mother of three teenage boys. And if that weren't already enough to juggle, she recently became the road coach of my club team, Central Park Track Club. Roberta is a fiery competitor who runs with heart and pure grit. The tougher the conditions, the better she performs. On September 27th in the 2019 IAAF World Champs in Doha, Qatar, where real field temps were 105, she finished sixth overall and was the top American. Only 34 days later, Roberta came back and scorched a 230-12 in the 2019 New York City Marathon, where she placed 13th overall and was 4th American. The big themes, staying curious, pushing her limits to find the fastest version of herself, being fearless, taking risks, community, giving back, sharing her journey to inspire her boys and others, bringing awareness to autism and souls for souls, tapping into the big energy from her running community, and paying it forward via coaching, imposter syndrome, her favorite races, milestone moments, and personal growth along the journey. On her decision to race worlds in New York City 34 days apart, being invited to a world's team and putting on your country's colors, who gets to do that? I wanted my boys to see that anything is possible if you work hard, be consistent, and don't give up. Sometimes we have to make a decision on something, and I chose it without questioning it. Being fearless and taking a risk and having an opportunity and doing it. Sometimes you just have to say yes and look what happened. Roberta Groner may have set out on her running journey to inspire her boys, but has accumulated an army of fans and is so easy to root for. Please take a listen for inspo. Roberta Groner, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing this evening? I'm very well. How are you, Ron? Wow, it's been a long time to finally nail this down, man. I'm so excited to be staring across and seeing you in the Zoom screen. So uh, we finally pulled it off, man. Crazy schedules, all your traveling, racing around the world, and uh, just having a crazy busy life. Three high school age boys, you know, a year or so apart with sports and activities, you may very well be the busiest running mom on the planet. So uh, it isn't easy to pull it together, right? I no, no, I'm pretty much I would say almost most of my min- my minutes of my day are taken by something. <laughs> so uh, I apologize for the long wait, but I'm happy to be here. 
No, no apologies necessary. I think your first book needs to be about time management. Uh, all the moms out there that are doing this crazy life. And uh, we talked a little before we came on about my mom raising three boys like a year and a half apart. Uh, and my older brother was full-blown chaperone status at 12. So he was in charge of watching us at the park and, you know, making sure that we didn't get murdered or chopped up on the playground, you know. And, you know, it was completely fine. We never thought anything of it. I was like, yeah, my older brother's in charge. Like, he he can keep in charge of uh, everything we're doing and make sure we're good to go. But, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy busy life. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, just for the Run Chats audience, for anybody who maybe doesn't already follow you. I know I'm sure a lot of my listeners already do, but, you know, where was family life? What was that like growing up and everything? Yeah, so I grew up in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. Um, so I have a very kind of complicated family, divorce backgrounds, uh, half-step siblings, but we're all one unit. So I have uh, like three half brothers, two stepsisters, stepbrother. Um, so, you know, a little complicated life as a child, but kind of grew up roughhousing, climbing trees. I had three younger brothers. I was the the lead sister, the big sister, but I was tough and tumble with my three brothers. So a lot of time playing in the, uh, in the dirt, doing lots of kind of boy activities, but that's what I grew up doing. And then, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I, my like junior high, middle school, high school years became focused in running a little bit. Um, it was a high school math teacher that randomly asked me one day, how about joining the track club or track, track team? I think you would be good at the mile. I was, like, I was clueless. I was like, okay, I'll try it. And, uh, that's kind of how uh, running started in my life uh, was random a math teacher that I ended up having. He was my high, like my high school cross country coach. And uh, um, so that was kind of like my growing up. I had that, you know, I have a mother that's very um, grounded, very hardworking. And uh, she let us, showed us a, a good way to lead a life, you know, work hard, play hard. So work ethic grounded. Yeah. Very important things, especially for a big family and a split family, um, getting everybody to be together and play together. Um, and interesting how you described it because, uh, mixing it up with the boys is always going to make it, make somebody tough. Uh, and in the background, you know, in the backyard, in the dirt, climbing trees, all that kind of stuff, it just makes you tough, man. It makes you strong. And, uh, this way you just kind of grow up and somewhat fearless, you know, right from the get go. Um, and it just, it has an influence on us. And, uh, you know, like those days in the park where you're out there all day and you're doing crazy things you're not supposed to, and we'd be climbing, <laughs> climbing up buildings and running on rooftops and God knows, you know, how many other stupid things that we never should have been doing and somehow survived by the way. Um, you know, they make us stronger as uh, Nietzsche says, right? What, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And then the random sports thing you know, a teacher, usually that's the way it goes down. Somebody asks us, you get involved and, you know, that was your, you know, intro to running. And then obviously, you know, after your college years, you know, it basically just goes away. You get married, you have three kids, you become overwhelmed, like almost any mom on earth would be having three uh, boys that close together in age. And running's like completely out of the picture. Um, so tell everybody who doesn't know your story, you know, like when it comes back in, like, when does it get, you know, back in your life and, and where does it come into play? 
Sure. So my youngest was born in 2007. So I would think it was roughly two years later, the 2009, early 2010. I just needed to do something for me. Like I was like, I need, and I'm not crafty. I'm not, I like to cook, but I'm not like a, I can't do arts and crafts. So I was like, what what was I good at? I was good at running. So uh, let me try that again. So it was a random um, other, a nurse uh, that was working at UPMC as a big hospital system in Pittsburgh. And she was like, Hey, I think I'm going to do the Pittsburgh half marathon. And why don't we train together or like, you know, do it together. And that's kind of how it all started. Um, Well, it kind of started before that. I ran a 5K. I trained for a 5K. And don't quote me if it was like 2009 or 2010. And I ran some random like 24-minute 5K. So this gets back to how out of shape I was taking a 10-year break. And uh, and then like I worked really hard, you know, over a couple of years. um, I ran the Pittsburgh Half Marathon and then I got the bug. I ran like a 131. And I was like, oh, I really like this. And I met some people in the area that were training, started running with them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And they were finally like, hey, we're doing Chicago Marathon in 2011. Why don't you do it with us? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I never, I said I would never do a marathon. And then um, I, they convinced me and I'd ran. And that was it. That was the beginning of my marathoning. Amazing. Amazing. So you start off with a 5K. Um, and of course it's not slow. It's just for someone who ran in college who hadn't run for 10 years, you know, 24 minutes is, is a very solid time. A lot of people would be happy to have it. And, you know, of course, how many of us sworn we'd never run a marathon many, uh, I don't think I ever did, but so many of my friends are like, I'll never run a marathon, never run a marathon. And they've run as some of them as many or more than me. Um, so people either tend to be, they have a horrible experience and they go away and they run away and never come back or they settle on halves or some other distance or maybe even trail running. Maybe they maybe they enjoy trail running more. They're not interested in pace and grinding and time. But so 2011, I thought this would be fun. We talked a little about before we came on to really like walk through your progression because um, there are people out there that know you know, some of the amazing performances running the Olympic trials, you know, coming sixth in the world championships at Doha. They know those parts of your story, but I don't think people realize just how far you came from when you started. And I just thought it'd be fun to start there. So like in 2011 in Chicago, your very first marathon, 3-12-42, you get your first BQ. And that was kind of the goal, more or less, right? You just yeah. just really yeah. wanted to BQ, you're training with friends, you know, they kind of roped you in and pulled you in the way, the way we all do. We pull runners in, they don't even see it coming. Then all of a sudden they're at Central Park Track Club. They're showing up at our <laughs> workouts or, you know, any other great team that we've been associated with, um, you know, over the years. So that's your entree. You qualify for Boston. You got to be really excited. I mean, are your friends like, hey, that's a really good time? Or are they just like chill about it and don't really have much of a reaction? Uh, you know, at this point, oh, like my running friends from the area, they were like, oh, that's really cool. That's an awesome time. And then I have, I have non-running friends that don't know anything about running and they're just like, oh, that's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, they were pretty excited for me. And, um, but the people I was training with at the time only did a marathon every two years. So they were not going to do Boston or anything because they had just run a marathon or whatever it may be. Um, so I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to run another marathon again. So I'm going to go do Boston. So <laughs> let's do it. So interesting. So that that takes you to 2013 Boston, right? Yeah. And that's your first time running Boston. 
and you run a sub three in your very first Boston, 257.58. So we start at 312.42. We're already down to 257.58. And that's your first Boston. Is 2013 near the bombing? Yes. It is. I thought so. I wasn't sure. And if I remember correctly, I think your mom might have been there with you or somebody from your family was there with you, right? Correct. My mother was there with me. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was her first time seeing you run a marathon, obviously first time in Boston. And she was actually um, near the finish line on the other side of where the bombings were. Um, oh, God. Yeah. And, and she actually, if you remember the guy in the cowboy hat that was... She sat, she sat stood next to him and they talked for like two hours while she was, he was waiting for his son was coming in. Uh, I think he was walking as one of the, the troops or whatever. So anyways, I just told her, I said, listen, when I cross the finish line, I think it's just best to come meet me at the family meeting area. And I didn't really know many people at this time. I wasn't, you know, my Pittsburgh running crew wasn't there. All the elites were done. And so she met me there and I said, I just think we just go back to the hotel. We, you know, shower and we go to dinner. So that's what we did. Um, and we get back to the hotel, I get a shower, I come out of the shower and she's like, Oh my gosh, there's something going on. And, but we were back in the hotel room, but, you know, just thinking about, you know, that she always says to me that day, thank gosh, you were a fast runner, you know, because maybe I would have been there, you know, cause yeah. So, um, you know, it was a very traumatic year. So I had to walk away from that experience with, with a heavy heart, you know, not really celebrating, um, anything because of what happened that day. So, but again, yes, in hindsight, it was a big drop in time and that's exciting, but, um, that's a very hard marathon, you know, for most of us that were there or, you know, all, any runner can, you know, be relating to that situation. So, yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, I wasn't there that year, luckily, but I was getting a zillion messages from all my friends, assuming I was. And, and as you had pointed out, you know, luckily you were fast enough to be, you know, quite a bit ahead of when all of that happened and when it occurred. And, and then you were told me which side of the street your mom was on right away. You're just, even though I know she's okay, you're just, it's just a reflex. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, we flash back to these things and, um, you know, what a year, you know, what a year it was to come back the year later when Meb won and, um, what that experience and what that energy was like and, and just, um, you know, Boston strong, what that kind of became similar to when the World Trade Center went down for us. And I ran in New York City in 2001, what that was like um, and what that experience was like. So um, you didn't have your Pittsburgh crew, but you had your mom. So that's awesome. But uh, even though you ran a sub three and you and you cut like 15 minutes off your first time, which is amazing, you really didn't get to have that true celebratory experience in Boston. And it was your first Boston. So, I mean, it was amazing. And you, you ran an incredible race there for your first one, but you didn't really get to experience it. So it's cool because I have a lot of questions on your Boston history anyway. So we'll we'll dive back into that. So you leave there. You guys are healthy, thankfully. And just six short months later, you run Columbus and you run your first sub 250. You run 249.30 at Columbus. So you go from 312, 257, 249. So you're really, you're making like huge progress. And then that's only six months apart. So did you just stay training with your group, working with different people? And, you know, you just continue to like hammer away where you're making any changes in your training or you're just progressing and you're getting fitter and you're getting stronger? Yeah. So, I mean, at that time, the kids were still pretty young, right? So there was no hundred mile weeks. I was maybe running 50, 60 miles a week. Um, I did have a personal trainer because the kids were in 
you know, preschool for two and a half hours, a couple of days a week. So I would get like a personal trainer at the gym. I was getting stronger. Um, but the, you know, I was still training with the, the people from Pittsburgh and, um, they did Columbus too, I believe. So, um, so we had a good crew, you know, training, um, but I was really only running, I think four days a week, maybe five at most. Um, and you know, I was obviously, you know, getting faster during this timing, this, you know, time frame. but, um, you know, I think as we'll probably get into once I moved to New Jersey, things progressed even more. <laughs> so, um, but I was super ecstatic at Columbus, but then I, right after Columbus, I think, and most runners can probably relate. You're on that runner's high. I just did great. I want to keep going. I probably took two, three days off and started running and I had, an, I ended up having a knee issue. It was linked to weak quads, but it took me out for like four to six months of like almost no running again. And, um, and then we found out we were moving my ex-husband and I to New Jersey. So I just kind of put running on hold for a little while because he was traveling. I had, like I said, young kids at the time. And so when I moved to New Jersey, that opened up a whole different world because it's completely different than Pittsburgh. All these running clubs and USATF New Jersey and team points races. And before I was even out here, I think I had just inquired about, I saw there was a running group near my, where I lived. And I guess that person Googled me and saw my times. He was like, you want you to be part of my team. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but sure. <laughs> so anyways. So that's really cool. So was that NYAC? Was that your first? No, no. That was, um, it was called the, I don't even know now the do runners. It was some random little team in New Jersey, but they met on at Saturdays, like a mile away from where I was living. So I would run up, run with them. And next thing I know, I'm racing for their team you know, and doing these little club races all over New Jersey. Love it. So Jersey, we're not shy. People, they're yeah. Googling you. They're reaching out. Yeah. Like, we got to get Roberta on our team. So so right <laughs> off the bat, people are hitting you up already. And so you, ha- so you have your first experience with an injury. You know, you're running. You're running a couple of marathons back to back, which isn't really a big deal for somebody as strong as you. But, you know, you're really just kind of getting into your running body at this point and getting stronger. And, you know, amazingly, you know, just hearing you say you're running four or five days a week. Um, and I think it just validates what I talk to a lot of my guests on the show. Everybody just thinks the only way to win is high mileage and, you know, running doubles and doing all this stuff. And yeah, that does work and it can work and it can be effective. But I have a lot of friends, um, like Kate Pallardy who, you know, do enormous amount of strength training and a, and a ton of weightlifting and a lot of cycling, um, just because, you know, she just had her third baby and, um, you know, just wear and tear on the body. She's just trying to offset some other things and still do a ton of volume of full physical and aerobic work, but just not as much, you know, pounding on the body, let's yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. So you're in Jersey now and, you know, we're, we're going to transition your next uh, time and your next big jump is 2015 New York, where you run 245.30. You're coming 19th place overall. You missed the trial standard by just 30 seconds. And this is like my first actual question for you, like about New York specifically, because um, this was something I've thought about like for a while now. Like for me, like I, my visualization is always just like me. I'm on the race. I'm on First Avenue. I'm on the bridge. Like you're on the bridge. I mean, you're like around Des and 
all these other like rock star elite runners. I mean, you're in the top 20. I mean, at this point, you are still very much a newbie. You know, you're not like, you haven't been on the scene for like five to eight years. You haven't run like 25 marathons. You haven't made a, a trials team yet. You're out there in New York and you've come top 20. Did you have any moments out there where you just like looked around and said, holy shit, what's going on here? What am I doing? Like, or do I belong here? Or were you just like, I'm here, man. Like, I'm going to join this party and I'm going to mix it up with these chicks and I'm going to, I'm just going to go as deep and hard as I can. Like, I'm wondering which one it was. Okay. Well, I'm going to blow you all off the water. I didn't start with the elite field that year because obviously I didn't have, I didn't even know anything about it. Right. I'm new to New Jersey. Um, I must have got in with the lottery. So I start with the local competitive group. So I don't even, know what place I'm in because I'm starting back with everybody else. So um, I had no idea. I was just running. And um, I started out with a person I had been training with. We ran for maybe the first like 15 miles together. And then I felt spectacular. So I took off. I think I, I don't know what my negative split was on that race, but it was something massive. I forget if it was a few like six minutes or because I think I just took off the last 10K. I passed so many people. And what a feeling it was because it was my first big negative split like that. And um, so I didn't know what place I was, didn't know I was 19th place. And because I didn't start with the elite people, I didn't, I did get the plaque saying I was 19th, but I didn't get any of the uh, <laughs> competitive winnings that I would have. I think I was third American that year because it was a non-competitive year because everybody was going somewhere else because the trials coming up. So anyways, um, it was still a wonderful experience. I just, um, I wasn't in that situation that, you know, you may have been thinking Got <laughs> at it. that time. I, I absolutely was not thinking that at all, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, uh, uh, Central Park Track Club, NYAC, Shore Athletic Club, we all are lucky enough to get in that local competitive corral and we get low numbers and we get to be closest walked out on the bridge and get a really good starting place. Um, and that just ensures that we get a good start and we have some extra Porter Johns, but man, that's worth the price of admission and it's worth a lot. Absolutely. But again, you, you, so yeah, thanks for painting that picture because you literally have no idea. You don't have any idea where you are. There's no way you could possibly know where you are. And as you know, now having done this as an elite, um, when you start as an elite man or women, you're the only ones out there. It's it's just such an out-of-body experience to any of us competitive age group runners because you are the only ones. If Whether it's 40 women or 50 men or whatever that number is on, on the Verrazano, you're all lined up across or in Boston, you know, out in Hopkinton, you're lined up across and, you know, you can all see each other and you're all in the photos and you take off and that's it. If you get gapped or you're ahead or wherever you are, there isn't anyone else. Like no one's coming up from behind to catch up to you. I mean, you're all so far out there into the race. So cool. I mean, I was just wondering if, you know, you ran by Des or somebody and just was like, holy shit, what am I doing here? This is pretty cool. No, I, and I probably honestly didn't even know, not that I didn't know who all these runners were, but I wasn't ingrained as much. I was such a newbie. Like I probably would have walked past Des and didn't know it was Des at that point in my life, honestly. Um, but yeah, so, and then, you know, and at that point, not, New, not in New York, the standard was 242 or 243 at the time. I forget. They had changed it and they didn't move it back until after New York. So really when I crossed the finish line at 245.30, I was like, oh, I'm like two and a half or two minutes away from the standard. So to me, but then when they moved it, 
back to 245. Everybody's like, oh, are you going to go run another marathon? And at that point in my life, I was like, no way. I just ran a marathon. I was never thinking about doing back-to-back marathons. I said, oh, I'll just qualify for, you know, um, the 2020 trials. I'll, that's my new goal. And that's where my Twitter handle came in, Marathon Girl 245. So, because that was going to be my goal. So. Awesome. I was wondering, I was wondering about that. Um, so, so now we fast forward to 2016, not very far fast forwarding. Um, you got the Albany Mohawk Hudson river marathon and you go sub 240 and big sub 240, 237, 54, and you win the race. Um, so that's, was that your first time winning like a marathon or winning a larger race? Cool. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. what, What was that like? It was fun. I mean, no expectations again. And it was another, I think, negative split race where I played it cool the first like 20, you know, I remember taught meeting up with some random person named Robert um, at like mile 13 and we hung and talked to mile 20 together, you know, just keeping the pace and good. And um, it was fun. It was a great experience. Um, and that was when I got the confidence that's like, hey, this is no longer 245. I'm going for standard A. Yeah, because that's a huge drop. I mean, you know, 2015, you're 245.30, 2016, you're 237.54. And that's not an easy course, right? Albany Mohawk, right? Um, it's a point to point. And you know what? It's not, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's super hard, um, but it's not easy. Um, well, no, running a marathon is not easy. <laughs> this is <laughs> and true. Tra- let me say trail to it. I think there might be some gravelly area to it at the beginning, too. So, um, but um, no, but it was an exciting moment. And at that point, I still wasn't being coached by a coach. I was doing, I think I was doing the Hanson's training plan at that time. So again, no more than 65 miles a peak mileage, 65 to 70 max. Um, and and then after that is when I decided to, you know, get a coach, you know, to see what else I could do. So, so that was the point there, you know, because that was literally going to be my next question. Because now we're going, we're going to continue going on your progression. But I have, were you were you running for that same club, that same local club that first approached you at this point, or were you, were you with NYAC at that point? No, I wasn't with NYAC at that point. Um, I think that first club kind of kind of once they fell apart, but disintegrated a little bit, and then we kind of made our own uh, racing team at that point, and it was called the New Jersey Racing Project. Um, Short lived, but we tried. And uh, so I think I was racing for them at that point. Um, And then after um, I hired my first coach, Hector, um, then I went to New York Athletic Club after that, I think. And that was more 2017-ish. Yeah, 2017-ish. Got it. So you started working with Hector, Hector Matos, right? And 2017, Boston, you're back in Boston and you drop 236.33. So you take out your PR from Albany. And, but you finished 16th at Boston. So you're top 20. So you're top 20. So you were 19th in New York, but you said it wasn't a, wasn't a year of a super stellar field because that's the way you are. You're humble. Like anybody else would be like, I was 19th in New York. You're like downplaying it. Like, you know, like it's no big deal. Top 20, but 16th in Boston, 2017, huge, huge. Um, now were you still running in the regular field, like with a red bib, you know, you stole, you, you weren't running in the elite field or the sub elite field no, at that point. No, I was running elite, the elite sub elite field that year. You were. Okay, cool. Yep. So that yep. had, that was that your first experience running? That was in- my first experience. Yeah. Cool. Now, what was that like? Because that is a big, big change. I mean, just in terms of like nerves, anxiety, oh, I mean, it had to be a yeah. lot of stuff you were dealing with for that. Absolutely. No, nervous. Like 
I don't, you know, that like, I don't belong here. Like I'm in this church with all these (laughs) like amazing runners. They're all sleeping on their mats (laughs) or relaxing. And I'm like, I can't relax. Um, And then like, yeah, like getting to the start line, you know, with all the, like it's Jordan Massey. And I'm sure I'm I'm drawing a blank on all the big runners that were there, but I know there were a lot of them. Um, But this is the first time I've experienced that moment. Like you said, we're, it's just 45 women. We start minutes before everybody else. And it's either you stay with somebody or you're running alone for 26.2. So, um, you know, because there is a little separation. You have those top 10 women or so that are going to break apart pretty quickly for the most part. Um, and I mean, I recall running with people for most of the race, actually. I ended up running with a teammate towards the end of that, that um, Esther uh Atkins and um so I feel like that race I it was like just this moment of like wow like this is pretty amazing to be here and uh running in this this field you know so but it was hard Boston's a hard course (laughs) oh Boston Boston is hard whether you are running it at five hours whether you're running it in the elite field trying to stay with Jordan to say or you're you're in your first elite field but I love I love how you explain that because I don't know anyone who wouldn't have imposter syndrome. I don't know anyone. I I don't even know that I would have had enough nerve to walk into the church. I might have just stayed outside and been like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm in the wrong place. Like this is all this isn't real. This isn't happening. And uh when Kate, you you have to know Kate Powerty. She's a really, yep. really good friend yep. of mine. And Kate told me, you know, like they had some issues. Mike was dropping her off. And, you know, the year that she ran in the elite field there, and and literally she got to the starting line like 90 seconds before the race started. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh, Kate, wow. what are you doing? Like, what like what could you? And she's like, I had, you know, their in-laws and their family. There was all kinds of people there. And it just was crazy. Just things went wrong. You know, they couldn't get through traffic. And in typical Kate fashion, she like rolls up to the starting line. Like, cause I'm like, I wanted to know all the stuff I just asked you, like, what was it like? Who were you hanging out with? And she would just go off in the corner and just disappear anyway. She just wants to run. She doesn't care about any of that other stuff anyway, but, um, I, that's awesome. You know, you, ha- I'm not surprised at all that you would feel that way, but then once the race starts at some point, it's still a race, right? I mean, you're still running and yeah, instincts are, I better hold on to somebody, man. I better like get a, get a hold of somebody, hang on to somebody and just try to work with somebody to break the race up and, and uh, help you through. And also it wasn't your first Boston. So at least you had experience, you knew the course, uh, but it was your first time having bottles and nutrition on the table and all that. And that had to help, right? I mean, that had helped the race, right? Absolutely. It helps the race for sure. Um, having that, that benefit is, is, you know, it's great. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a really good experience. Um, and I was still like, I would say not known, but I wasn't really, you know, people were like at that point, like, Oh, who is this person that now ran, you know, was in the sub, you know, top 20 at Boston. So it was starting to get a little bit more attention at that point, but yeah. Yeah. Now, how old are your boys at that point? Because this is 2017. So, so we're five years ago. Yeah. So at this point, I mean, 10, 11 and 13. 10, yeah, 11, 13. Like so are they, do they have any sense of like what an insane, I didn't think so, but I have, I'm, cause I could see you in the zoom screen and you're shaking your head, but I didn't think yeah. so. I didn't think so. Cause I just know like how my son would have been at that age if his mom ran a great race or I did like, would the, would he have cared? But okay. Just wondering, because obviously as we get to Doha and stuff, things are changing and I know <laughs> their relationship with your running and how involved they are with it and how they feel about it is very different, but fun. 
Um, but for you and your coach and like your running community, how like insane was it? And were they just like, just going crazy for you? And like, it wasn't like you ran the year of the bombing and you and your mom were like worried about safety and you couldn't really celebrate. Like how crazy was it like after the race oh, just yeah. to celebrate? Of course. We, we had lots of fun <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> and, uh, at that point in my career, you might like, uh, there was a joke, uh, like an inside joke, New Jersey. Somebody made a joke one time and it was like, I don't know if I should be saying this and you can edit it if you want to. Oh no, <laughs> you can curse and you can the, say anything on the yeah, show. It's all but good. It was, um, it was like a local race and they were joking with me, the race director. And he said, what you're like, the, you're, you're a road whore. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I think cause I doubled it as race and ran two races and one, like, you know, let's say $700. I don't know. So that was the thing, the year where uh, my good, my best friend, Laura made up a sign. This is hashtag road whore. And she would take that sign everywhere. <laughs> so we had lots of fun with that sign that day after the race. So no, we had a great time. Um, that, that, that sign had to go away for a little while because everybody felt that maybe it wasn't good for me, but you know what? We all have fun, right? Oh, so God. I, it was a, it was a good experience. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for working that in. So that's your bestie, Laura Delea. You guys yes. all have a little crazy in you, which is why I love you guys so much. And, uh, you know, we're not, if we're not doing crazy shit, we're not having enough fun in life. And you know what? Life is just too short. There's just too, every day. Um, yep. there's just too many things happen in the world that are dark and, exactly. and, and just twisted and shitty. And, and, you know, like if we can't have some fun with running and we can't be a little irreverent and we can't just make a little fun of a situation and enjoy it. I mean, if, if it, social was what it, what it is today, that sign would have been at every bar with you guys in every photo. <laughs> like, just think about how different it is then, man. I wish social existed when I was running my fastest time, oh. when I was in my thirties, man. Was, I mean, it's hmm. out there on my social. If you dig <laughs> deep enough, it's there. And there's happens to be one picture where after a lot of celebration, someone took our photo with it and we're outside of a bar like this. <laughs> And the sign's upside down. The person didn't tell us, nor did we know the sign was like upside down. We're like, yay. But anyways, um, but it was a good, it was a great experience. And the celebration was fun afterwards. And it's always like that after, you know, a fun race. It should be. And look, it's your first like elite start. You're in the mix. That's the race where you were looking around like, what am I doing here and all that? Yeah. But you, you showed <laughs> yeah. up. You showed out and you got that experience under your belt and you need it because look, there is not a person out there. I don't care what your path is. I don't care if you're a division one, all American and you just stopped running because you were burned out or you never ran. You were a great soccer player or some other athlete and you found your way to running later and, and developed your talent. Every one of us at some point, whether it's in our business lives or some other life is like before they're walking into a meeting, just going like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not, I'm going to be the one in charge of this presentation. It's all on me. Like what's happening. So, so that's your first real experience, like in a major race. I mean, an Abbott major, the Boston marathon. Okay. Like in the elite field, all that. So super cool. It goes well and you get to party with your friends, yeah. which we all yeah. need. We need more of that. So now the next progression, and it's a big like step down is heading out to CIM in 2017. So that's the same year. So Boston would be April, CIM's December. And, you know, you drop a full six minutes, you know, off of your time. You come in second, you run 230, 38. 
That's a huge, huge breakthrough. And CIM is always a competitive field, always a fast field. And wasn't it the U.S. championships that year or yes. something as yes. well? Oh, my God. I got something right from memory, man. Yes. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even have to look it up in the notes. I finally remembered something correctly. So it was a championship. So you had to be facing a stacked field. So that had to be really cool. I mean, um, you know, what was it like? I mean, obviously that was, that, that was your first time running CIM, right? So you didn't have any experience on the course. What was it like, man? Like if I could tell you, I can relive that race almost moment by moment. And I'm sure you've had an experience like that too, where everything just clicks from the moment the gun goes off. Um, didn't really know anybody again, lots of women there. I mean, I knew who Sarah Hall was, but you know, and, um, but again, I was kind of newer to the scene. So a lot of these women knew each other from previous races, previous championships. It's my first, I'm pretty much sure it's my first USATF championship race. Um, and it just clicked. Like I met Samantha Palmer and I think it's now Blusky. She got married since then. At right at the start, like we kind of just start running together. She's like, oh, I've run this course many times. I know it. Like, what are you thinking? What's your pace? And we just hang and we're back. You know, I don't know where we are in place, but we're back there. And we just start picking people off, rant, you know. And but let's say I think by mile twelve or thirteen, we catch the relatively the next lead pack besides Sarah Hall, who had taken off and was winning the race. And next thing I know, this is a, my first experience. Yeah, I ran Boston, and there were some women, but we had like seven, eight women all together for a big chunk of the race. And this is my first experience, like with that kind of clicking, and it's easy miles because someone's always leading. And uh, you take you don't have to be keeping track of it all. And at mile like twenty, um, I just started to like say, okay, there's going to be a point where we're, you know I'm feeling good, and there has to be a break at some point. So I started picking it up, and next thing I know, there's maybe like three of us or four of us. And then at mile twenty two, twenty three, it was me, Carrie uh, Dimoff, and I don't know if Kelsey Bruce was in the mix then, and there was like two or three of us and I'll never forget. And I'm sure Carrie will remember this too. We, we've talked about it because we're world team members and her coach or somebody was on the road. And she said to the coach, how far back is fourth? And at that point I was like, Oh, I'm going because this is the time to separate. And I just took off and never looked back and just kept running. And yeah. And I had a huge PR and, uh, yeah, it was just this amazing experience. So amazing. Amazing. I think um that's my favorite part of the whole all of these episodes combined. My favorite part of the whole episodes are when somebody's just out they're back out there in that moment and you were 100% back out there. You were back out there in CIM. You said you could put yourself back out there, but yes, we all have had an experience like that and I my fondest wish for anybody is that we get a chance to have one more or two more of those. And it doesn't matter if it's a PR for you at this point. It could be an age graded time. It can be qualifying for a world championship or, you know, Laura and a lot of your friends are really big track runners and they're doing all the track stuff. So there's always some goal to chase. And, you know, age grade can become our friend when we can't maybe continue lowering that odometer and bring it down further. But um, I think there's so much in that race for you because 
you're racing. It's racing. It's different. Um, so many of us are, we're looking at our, well, I won't say Garmin cause I'm Koros, man. I'm team Koros, but you know, we're, I'm looking at my Koros. Somebody else is looking at their Polar or their Garmin. Like we get so damn hung up with our splits. We get so damn hung up with what pace am I at? Or where am I supposed to be at mile 17? That's racing. Okay. You joined a pack, you join that second pack and you're working together and it gets easier to work together. And it's the closest analogy is I watch the Tour de France every year and I used to do triathlon too in the bike. When you're in a bike pack, you just go easier, man. And yes, there's wind resistance and you're drafting and all that. But when you're working together with, I, it doesn't have to be women. It can be guys. It can be yeah. club oh, runners yeah. can be, and it doesn't matter what the mix of people are. You get into a group of some group of people and you roll through three, four, five miles together. And all of a sudden those miles are gone. They they're gone so quickly. It's like, holy shit, I'm at mile 18. And it's like, whoa, let's go. I still feel pretty good. All right. We only got eight miles to go. And then somebody tells you fourth is X and you realize you got a chance <laughs> to go for the podium. So it takes away I always, I try to tell people all the time, man, our minds blow us up so much more than our bodies can or will, because if we just free flow and we just run, like at our own workouts at Central Park, I don't know any of my paces right now because I was coming back from an injury any more than you or anyone else who's injured. So our normal things like to do a workout at 3K pace or 5Ks, if we just go out and do one of those workouts and just run and say, okay, I'm going to chase this group. And then I know I have to get faster in the second set and the third set. I can do this. I'm just going to run harder. I'm just going to keep pushing. And we take the math and all the bullshit out that weighs us down. We run better, man. You're just chasing people, man. You're in a pack. And then all of a sudden you're getting down to the end. Like at what point do you go? So you, you were in third because you, somebody was telling you what fourth place was. When did oh, wait, you? Wait, no. Uh, I think I, we were second, third. You were second um, and third. We were second, third. And that's when she was asking someone like, Hey, how far back is fourth? And that's when I like that competitive part of me was like, oh, like now it's time to break this. Like, let's go. Um, and that was probably, I think, with like two to three miles to go. And that's you and Carrie, right? Yeah, that's and, me and Carrie. And you guys yeah. ran in Doha together. So I do yeah. I do remember yeah. that. So um, that's beautiful because. Yeah. And, and this and, is where I met all like this is where I met everybody. This is where I met Samantha. This is where I met um, Carrie um, and became really good. Like I would say like. But these were like Kelsey Bruce. We were all in the world's team together. This is like, this was it, you know? Yeah. So this was a great race. It's uh it's an amazing race. It's an amazing result. It's USATF, your second place. I mean, you're on the podium. I mean, you know, it's like it's a huge breakthrough, but you're you don't you're cutting off six minutes of your time and getting to 230. And you know, like these are huge, huge chunks of time, you know, to be to be reducing time like that. Um, you know, all the while getting older, becoming a master's runner, you know, so it's not like, you know, you're in your twenties or your thirties and you're getting the stuff done. And now you have this massive result in a championship race, a USATF championship race. And it's just a huge, huge success for you. And that had to do enormous amount for your confidence. And obviously, you know, you're meeting these people and now they're becoming your running friends, your friends, like, this is like a moment where you more or less have to feel like, okay, I totally belong now. Not like I'm at the church in Boston. Like, I think I belong here. Like, I, I can hang with this crew. I'm in, right? Yes. Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, does that change your outlook, Roberta? Like, from there, I'm just saying from that moment, like, just in your own training, like, how you're training, how you're going about workouts. And at this point, are you still working with Hector or are you now? Yes. 
You okay? Yeah, so you're I'm still, still with Hector. You're still with Hector at this point, but I mean, mentally, it has to be a big breakthrough for you, like just psychologically, emotionally. Like, holy crap, I can hang on this kind of stage and this kind of race with this kind of competition, and I showed up and I held up and I finished strong with a negative split. So huge, like for your mental game. Physically, it's coming together. And then where do we go from there? I'm trying to think. So yeah, 27. We go to New York. Yes. We oh, go to New York, 2018. Oh, so we go to New York, 2018. So mm -hmm. take me take me to 2018 New York because my questions from 2015 that I thought were relevant <laughs> are no longer relevant now because yep. you've earned yep. your spot, man. You've earned it. You belong on the Verrazano with nobody else beside you but a bunch of fit as fuck women, you know, looking <laughs> yeah. strong. And those photos will always be my favorite of all time. When there's only 20 or 30 or 40 women ripping it up to Verrazano and there's no one else on the bridge. And then the same thing when the guys come by, it's like you pay like a million dollars for those photos. They got to be your favorite, yeah. man, right? When you're in the pack and it's like, you're all together. Yeah. Or do you have, a, do wow. you like your shots on like First Avenue or, you know, like just being out there in the mix? Like what are, what are some of your favorites or your favorite moments, let's say from New York? From New York? I mean, definitely the start. I mean, what the, I mean, that was my first experience going over the Verrazano with just those women and like the music playing. And um, in that year, nobody took off. We, I ran with all of those women for like, I don't know, 13, I don't know, like I can't remember, it was 10 to 13 miles, this huge pack of women. I'm running with Shalane and I'm all concerned that she's next to me or right behind, right in front of me. And I'm like, I'm going to trip her because we're all mushed together and I'm not used to running in crowds like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's going to be me. I'm going to be the person that's like this tripped up Shalane on TV. <laughs> um, but no, uh, you know, and I think at some point in that race, I actually go out in the lead just because I'm not a pack runner. I'm not used to running in that big of a pack and I had to get out. I'm like, I know they're all going to pass me at some point or most of them are, but I didn't want to be in it anymore because like I said, my fears were tripping somebody really, really important up in the race. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, other than that, I think at some point, you know, obviously the group breaks apart and I'm running with Steph Bruce and Ali Kiefer and uh, still can't believe I'm running next to these amazing women. And and then it gets lonely, you know, after mile 18 or so, I'm kind of in no man's land. Um, and this is the year I think I almost caught Steph Bruce at the very end. Um, but, you know, she I think I, she beat me by a second or two. So um, but it was another year where I, you know, come up into Central Park and I'm just like, all right, who can I pick off? Like, what can I do? And got my second win, uh, but a completely different feel in 2015, right? Uh, 2015, I was passing hundreds of people. This time I'm kind of by myself just running and it's, it's, it's a mental game. It's a race. It's different. So. Yeah. So this was the race that in my mind I was thinking of, because I remember those pictures you're with Alafine and you might've even been with Des in some pictures if I remember, but I, I just remember, you know, I know Steph, you were in a bunch of pictures and definitely remember Ali Kiefer, but you know, I remember those shots at different points, just thinking like, oh my God, what was she thinking out here? What was she thinking right here? So when you tell me you're afraid of tripping Chalet, that's like the greatest thing oh, ever, yeah. man. You know, I love that I asked these whacked out questions and yeah. actually, because I'd be like, holy shit. And I'm a little claustrophobic too. So like, I had all those people around me. I might be like, get me out of here, man. I'm going to the left side of the road or I'm just- I, It's what I, I kind of yeah. did. I mean, well, I went to the front. I mean, this other uh, girl went up to the front because I can't do this anymore. It's just too stressful. So, um, but it was, it was another, 
one of those, I think that was the year I was like 13th. I get confused. One year I was 12th, one year I was the 13th. I will apologize. I don't really remember times very well and placements, but it was still another one of those, like, I guess at that point I was like, oh, like the confidence was definitely building in the sense that like, I, I can do this and I'm good at this and just be curious to what can I do, you know? So. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, these are, these are huge, huge stepping stones for you. They're, they're big milestones. You're running with the most elite, the most seasoned pros that are in our sport. And it's kind of cooler too, that Steph's a mom and, you know, Alafine's a mom now, but I mean, a lot of these other women are not just amazing runners, but they're moms yeah, and, you know, they, absolutely. and but a lot of them are truly professional, yeah, aren't working. Absolutely. You're a nurse, you're working full time and you got three boys in high school. So your circumstances are different. Um, and you know, they're running for NAS elite and other teams like this, which, Hey, the work is the work, whether you're going to run two runs, you know, a day and you're going to split it up running with local fast guys, or you're going to run with local fast women, or you're going to run with your team. The work's got to get done. The, the workouts have to be done. The track workout, the tempo runs, the long runs with pace, it's got to get done, but it is just more for somebody like you to manage, which is why I think so many people root for you and are just like crazy on the, on the Roberta train, like, holy shit, <laughs> like she's, you got her three boys, she's doing all this stuff, she's working full time and, you know, not running for one of those pro teams where at least you have some other amazing teammates like Alafine and Steph and all of them work together. And now they've got a lot of younger women that have joined their group that are killing it. And look, that's the, that's our sport. Man, yeah. that's what it is. I mean, you know, you're, the young lions or lionesses are going to come in and they're hungry, man. They're not afraid of anybody. And then, you know, but what the masters runners are doing is just, it's bananas. It's like totally crazy to see what Kira's doing and other like masters, you know, runners are doing. Um, so for you at this point, are you like starting to pay attention to things that Dina's done and other runners? Because now your times are really becoming so fast and so competitive because you still haven't had done Rotterdam yet. Rotterdam's in 2019, which is where you run your fastest time, which is 229.06. So that's your fastest. You go sub 230 because it, it's at this point, all of those like records, master's records from Dina, Olympian, multiple time yes. Olympian, medalist, <laughs> like, you know, like this is amazing. Like this yeah. is like real, like you have to, I know you've put it out there and you've said it, but like at that point, did it crystallize? Like, was it your coach? Were other people saying to you? Or was it just like in you, like you were like, holy shit, man, I have to take a swing at this stuff, man. I got to go after some of these things. I think at Rotterdam, even it was my PR, um, but you know, I don't know that race was different in the sense that like, I wasn't part of the elite. They gave me sub elite and I ended up having my water bottle put on a table with a hundred other water bottles. Like, so there was no, you know, I had to go find it and it was hot that day. So I ended up stopping or turning back to find my water bottle half the time. I think I lost, I mean, I could be wrong 45 seconds to a minute, but if I didn't stop for my fluids, I think I would have been worse off because it was such a warm day. Um, so in hindsight, but that was, you know, when I crossed the finish line at 229.06, I was like, I have more. Like, it's it's there because I I had like some mishaps, you know, it wasn't a perfect race. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's when I realized, oh, well, I'm only like a minute 19 off of like the age group record. Let's go. I can do this. I'm going to try for this. 
So, um, and then that was definitely in hindsight or that was where the goals were going. But then right after Rotterdam, I got invited to the world's team. So that kind of threw a, a twist in like what races or where am I going to go to break a record? You know, I had already committed to New York before I got invited to worlds. And so I didn't want to, you know, back, you know, step back off of that promise or commitment. So I was like, well, I can do both. I can do worlds in New York. And I had some people saying, Oh, I don't think you should do worlds. But I was like, I'm 41 years old and I'm getting invited to a world's team. I'm not saying no to this. I'm going. So, um, and that's kind of where that goal of a, a record has been kind of put on the, on the duck shelf a little bit, you know, um, because, you know, doing worlds, I knew that wasn't going to be a PR and uh, going to Doha and then New York is a very hard course. So it was kind of throwing it out there a little bit, but I take, I will never take back my decisions for what I, I chose to do. So I love, I loved your decision-making. Um, and that, that's just me. Someone else can look at it and say, they don't, who cares? There's only one person in the world that gets to have the vote and that's you. Yeah. Um, and yeah. of course, you know, your coach, of course, is going to have a say you have an agent. Um, you know, you, you talk these things through with your team, um, and, and you should, but at the end of the day, you are the one who is either going to be like inspired as hell to get out of bed and do your two workouts and handle all your things you need to do for your job. And as a mom, like, or you're not, or your soul isn't on fire or you're not on fire. But I want to go back to, I want to go back to Rotterdam first, because yeah. I had read that. I didn't know that. Cause obviously we had never talked before tonight about this, this stuff, or certainly not in this detail. So I had read that before. And, you know, for everybody out there that, you know, that complains about shit that happens to them in a race, like you're running back, your bottles aren't even on the right table. You're running back. But I think you explained it well. Like if you didn't go back, like who knows, like you could have crashed and burned. You might've run 235. You don't even know what would have happened. So you adapted, you had to make decisions. And like all of us in a race, we never know if we drop something on the ground and go back to get it, it's 20 or 30 seconds. But if we don't get it, are we going to like, you know, bonk in the last 5k? Like what's going to be the cost of that not doing that? But I, I do remember, you know, you, you felt like you had more because I remember reading this. You actually tracked down two women late in the race because you had no idea where you were. You didn't know what your place was. You didn't even know what your time was, but you tracked down two women like late, like in the last thousand meters and maybe even last 500 meters and finished way up there on a hot day. It was not an ideal to run at all. So mentally, that again has to be like a huge win for you. Like in your mindset, like you're overcoming shit. You're not letting this stuff, you know, throw you off your game. You made the best of it. It wasn't ideal. You didn't want that to happen. But, you know, instead of like brooding about it or complaining, like you sucked it up and you dealt with it and then you still ran your fastest time. Yeah. Um, you know, so that had to make you feel good coming off there. And as far as Doha and running for the USA, like how does anybody say no to that? A chance <laughs> to wear the red, white, and blue and rep the yeah. USA? Yeah. I mean, uh, you can't yeah. say no to that. I mean, that, no. I mean, and also this has got to be the point because I do know, remember reading some uh, print articles or other stuff. At this point now, your boys are certainly a couple of years older, way more aware of the stuff that you're doing as a runner, how fast you're running these times, how, how, how much higher you're placing. Like the Doha thing for them, that had to be a huge deal for them too, yeah. right? My mom's running in the world championships yeah. and running for Team USA. That would be part of the decision, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't, 
I think I probably told this story to somebody, but my youngest, and maybe this is right around worlds, a class assignment was they had to uh, write an article on someone famous. And he, he picked me. And uh, I was like, whoa. I was like, me? He's like, yeah. You, I, I don't know if I had my Wikipedia page at that point. I don't know who created my Wikipedia page. But it was like, he's like, you're Wikipedia. You're famous. <laughs> so, um, but no, I mean, that was definitely part of my decision was, you know, obviously, just like you said, being invited to a world's team and putting on your country's colors, is a, you know, who who gets to do that? And uh, but also I want them to see that, you know, anything is possible if you if you work hard at whatever it may be, you know, consistent work hard and don't give up. You just don't know. So and I don't want them to ever put a limitation on something, you know, age, race, you know, whatever it may be, you know, just go for it. So. It's beautiful. I mean, what an ex- what an example to set. And s- my son never did any book reports on me, so I'm totally <laughs> jelly. Uh, but it, thankfully, he never did one on his mom either. So at least it wasn't yeah. like she ch- he chose her over me. It was just uh, you know he's you know into other things. Uh, he's a good runner too, but um, running's not in his blood. Music's in his blood. Playing classical music. So we all have our things, right? And I'm yep. sure your boys have their things. But what a cool thing. Um, you know that has to make you seriously proud um, that he would choose you to do the report and the paper on and, you know, yeah. the work ethic, you know, how hard you have to work to be, you know, at this level, you know, to be able to compete at this level on, on a world stage. Um, and it takes us to Doha cause you know, we gotta, we gotta dive into there because I mean, to run in those kind of conditions, people really just don't have any understanding. They just don't, they really don't, you know, they might be watching it on TV and go, Oh gee, uh, people are dropping out or, you know, like I think more men dropped out of the men's race. I'm not even sure if I remember what the numbers were, but you know, they tried their best. I mean, the race is starting at like midnight. <laughs> you, there's nothing you can do. You can't run a race there. It You can't play golf there. There's nothing you can do in that place where the temperatures aren't going to be well over a hundred degrees or certainly with real fill over a hundred. So, you know, you had to know that um, your teammates had to know that. So like, what did you do personally? Like, what did you do to try to help yourself prepare? I mean, there's only so much you can do. It's not like, you know, you're going to start running with like 30 layers of clothes on, but like, what, what sort of things did you try to do to help you, you, you prepare for it even not just physically, but also mentally for what kind of conditions you were going to be running in? I mean, you know, we had like, obviously some coaching, some medical advice, um, you know, from the team itself on what to do to prepare ourselves. Um, so that was great information to have. Um, but you know, also like, yeah, I work a full-time job and, you know, I can't, you know, go to hot places to train, but luckily we have, you know, New Jersey, New York humidity in the summer. So I did a lot of like training runs, like 20 mile in the middle of the day, 92 degree temperatures, brutal. Um, and then when, you know, cause Doha is in September, end of September, when the weather started to cool, I would wear multiple layers, just like uncomfortable, make myself uncomfortable. Um, and that was kind of it, you know? Um, but I will tell you, I stepped off that plane and I was like, Oh, I'm in trouble. It was like breathing air through a straw. Like I was, I was really nervous, you know? Um, you know, I, w- I flew in on a Thursday there, or no, it was a Tuesday. Um, and the race was on Friday night into Saturday morning. And it gave me a couple of days to like, we would go out around race time around midnight and do the loops. And, um, I would say by like the third night, 
maybe second, third night, I was like, okay, it's not that bad. <laughs> but um, that was kind of my preparation, though, just training in the middle of the hot summer days, you know, where most of us, we try to get out early in the morning on those days to beat the heat. So, yeah. So you're reversing and doing the opposite. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. and that's really all you could do. And then also adding layers as the yep. weather got a little bit cooler, um, to try to simulate. But I know what you speak of when you talk about like getting off the plane like that. Um, it's like when you get into Vegas and people say it's a dry heat, but yeah, it's like 110 degrees or I was on a run in Vegas one day and I was running past a bank and the window just shattered just from heat. It's just like the oh radiant my. heat. It just blew out. Like, and it wasn't, nobody shot it or anything. I was just wow. like, scared the bejesus out of me. But, um, you know, I was running at, I don't know, like two o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. <laughs> so the heat is crazy, but then you do your best to acclimate, you run the loops, you run them at night, all smart stuff to do. And I'm sure you're doing that with your teammates and what, but race day, you like, how did it, how did it play out? I mean, I watched it, man. So I saw it, but I mean, for you, like, I don't mean, you know, me watching you on TV and our team, like, how did it play out for you? How did it feel? So I was super relaxed. My boyfriend flew in, I guess the night before. It was just me and him for the day. You know, I tried to sleep in because I stayed on East Coast time. I wanted midnight to feel like 5 p.m. So I that's what me and the, the, my teammates did. We were sleeping during the day because we weren't allowed to really go outside because it was so hot. So um, so I slept through the day. I think I went to the pool, relaxed, went in the hot tub, like completely chilled. And um, we had been devising a plan with headbands Um we found these headbands at the like the local mall that was attached to the hotel and we put holes in them and we were putting, we were going to put ice cubes in them and we wrapped them around my water bottles and it was allowed. It was approved. People were you know doing towels and different things. So we had come up with that plan and uh, yeah, it was just really, I was really relaxed and it was kind of just like we had made signs with little mottos, like, like little mantras on them. And it was really just being in the moment and just being part of this team and just living with that moment. Like it is what it is. We're in this situation. It's hot. It's not ideal. And luckily my coach, Steve Magnus at this time. So I had switched. We talked about Hector. Um, I had uh, changed coaches in 2019, early 2019. So Steve Magnus is my coach at this point, And he's had a lot of training in Houston area and which is a lot of humidity. So he's a data guy and he pulled off all of his, numbers from all of his training when he, it was in the humidity. And as he's like, I think we got to go back, you know, at 615 pace. I think that's where you need to be roughly. And we'll see how that feels, but that's where, you know, compared to your usual 545, we're going to go back 30 seconds. And that's what we did. And it worked. <laughs> so plus the headbands <laughs> and I drank so much fluids. I drank every single one of my bottles. Like I, I forget how much it was, but it was crazy amount of fluids. I never stopped drinking. So what did you, what did you use? What was your, uh... Oh, I feel like I did some kind of Gatorade mix. I put extra electrolytes like salt in them. Um, we did, I did some noon. I was, uh, I mean, I drank electrolytes the whole week prior to like, I was completely staying, not like not over hydrating, but making sure I was keeping up with my electrolytes. So I think that really much helped, obviously. And uh, I think like me and Carrie ran, I think at least the first half together. And like, again, we were just like, let's see what we can do. Be curious. Like, who can we pick off and just go with it? And, you know, we started way back and we 
just kept on picking people off. So, and the loop course, the loop course is perfect for something like that. Yes. Um, and then also, um, Steve being a data junkie and really being, you know, pretty brilliant guy in the coaching front of just yeah. like knowing, you know, paying attention historically to races and how these things affect you. And, you know, there's all sorts of tables that'll tell you what a percentage humidity, relative humidity will yeah. do to race times at, and yeah. then altitude yeah. and all this other stuff. So, um, it's great that you put your faith in him because, a lot of us sometimes are just like, nope, I trained at this and I'm going to, no, like that's, it would have been a crash and burn. And, you know, you saw how many people crashed and burned. You saw it, you know, with your own eyes in terms of like it happening. And, you know, and also when it works in reverse, it's the exact opposite. Like people are slowing down and coming back to you. Like that's actually like giving you energy, right? You're like, actually like, whoa, like I'm, I'm passing people. I'm moving up. Now was the team, was there somebody out there? Are they even allowed to do that and say, Hey, Roberta, you're in this place or yeah, whatever that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had my coach, uh, the coach, uh, Dana, Dina Evans, uh, she was out there and, um, telling me and, um, you know, honestly, I will tell you one thing. I don't know if this is just from up above because I think if I would have known everybody dropping out, I think my mentality would have been different. I didn't see any of it. I didn't see anybody laying on the ground. I don't know where they were on the course when this all happening, but the only time I ever saw one person just walk off, like she didn't collapse, didn't fall. It was only afterwards when I saw videos and, uh, you know, I didn't know it was that bad. I just knew I was passing people. So, um, it was a different experience for me. I think if I would have seen what everybody else saw on the, the TV, that maybe I would have second guessed it. I don't know. It just, it's a very strange thing because I didn't see it. So I don't know what that means, but all I know is I just kept going, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. The last lap and a half loop and a half, I was struggling. I really was. I was like giving it my all, but I was tapping out for sure. So, well, it was an, it was an amazing performance and uh something of course you should be incredibly proud of man and oh absolutely and your kids so i know your boyfriend was there because i remember some of the shots yes. with you guys like with on the camels in the, <laughs> which were so cool man like if i yeah. go there that's gonna be like one of my first shots i'm gonna be getting is i'm heading over there and getting that camel shot for sure but where your boys were home i would assume yes. with school like yeah because i mean that would have yeah. been crazy because you have to do the race and you have meetings to go to and all sorts of stuff but but they got to watch it right i mean they saw it yeah. right yeah, they got to watch it. They saw it and uh, they were following on like whatever social media platforms and uh, they were super excited for me. And uh, I did it for them. I mean, not for just them, but I mean, they were in my mind, obviously, you know, and uh, and at some point I, you know, when the weak part comes in, because we all have that weak moment where I'm just like, oh, well, I'm I'm feeling horrible at this point. So I knew there was a woman There must have been a Japanese woman who had like a television crew with her. So on a loop course, I could see them coming, like, right. I could see, I'm like, I don't know if I have anything left in me, you know, to keep this, she's coming for me. And, uh, at some point I'm like, it's the very last loop. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, seventh place, eh, it's just as good as sixth place. <laughs> but then I turn the corner and I see a woman ahead of me and I was like, Oh, or there's fifth place. And so I like take off and I pass this woman, I cross the finish line and they're like, yeah, you got sixth place. I'm like, no, like I didn't question at that moment, but then I realized I was, she was getting lapped and I was like, oh, but at least it helped me though. I ended up 
finishing strong because mentally I was like, oh, I might get fifth place now. <laughs> but um, it was definitely an experience of my lifetime. I mean, like I said, CIM and which is CIM was a different level than Worlds, but they both were this like, I mean, Worlds was just crossing the finish line with the fireworks and the, like, I got to talk to all these media people afterwards. Like it was crazy. Like I hadn't experienced that, you know? So it was, uh, but it was just like, for me, it was just that it goes all back to making it. Sometimes we have to make a decision on something and I chose it without really questioning it, you know, and being fearless and taking a risk and having an opportunity and letting and doing it. So I think some sometimes people just say no to things and sometimes you just have to just say yes and look what happened. So. Hell yeah. And as your bestie Laura would say, KFG, man, KMG, it's, K- yeah. it's KFG city. <laughs> and you know, I knew, I knew, you know, you've spoken about your boys before, but I knew at some point you had to be thinking of them out there because it's just so hard. It's so tough. It's so difficult. And, you know, here you, you know, here you are with this opportunity of a lifetime that, you know, yeah, you could collapse, you could cave. Um, and you explained it beautifully. Yeah. Maybe if all these people were falling right in front of you, maybe it would have changed your mindset. Maybe you would have just not even consciously just slowed up a little thinking, Hey man, I don't want to die out here. Like all these, you know, you don't even know if any of these people are going to like die for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's crazy conditions. Anything can happen. Hell, we just saw a 30 year old die in the Brooklyn half and you know, it was only 70 degrees, but it was 98% humidity. So we never know how these things are going to affect us. But you know, you got your boys, you have them in your mind, you're running, it's like an international stage and, you know, you come in sixth place. It's crazy, but also, and I know, cause I know how near and dear, you know, your running community and your family are to you. Cause we had the send off run, which yes. I came to in the park there. And, and, uh, I think, what was it? Berg? I don't even know the name of that park. Cause you guys oh, run there all the time. Uh, Saddle yeah, River Park. Yeah. Saddle, Saddle River Park. Cause yeah. I've run there with David, you before yeah. and yeah. other people that you're tight with, but I mean, what an experience for you. Cause it was like a total surprise. I remember David's like, you can come, but you can't tell anybody. You just got to show up. And I remember I just got there in time. And like oh you were gosh. running, were you running with your boyfriend running yes, towards us? He planned it. And we were he all in the park. Yeah, he this. had planned it. Right. So like you're running with him, like kind of coming towards us and we're like on the parking lot, like hiding out, stalking you, you know, There's like this big crowd of people. Yeah. And I was like, and the first thing I was like, Oh, is there a race going on yeah. down here? Cause I just <laughs> see all these people. And as I get closer and I start seeing everybody, like, I mean, there's pictures of me, you can see in these pictures where I start to cry and put my hands up to my face because I realize what's going on. And that is part of just, you know, having this village, this people, your community. And, uh, and I feel like I wouldn't be where I am today without every one of you guys, you know, because there's a bond, there's a friendship, there's a story from somebody else that keeps you going, you know, and yeah, that was such like I think I've I've never been surprised before like that. Like so it is one of my top memories of my life. Even more than like something like Doha. I mean Doha was amazing, but this moment with all my friends that was created before I left was amazing. And uh I will give my boyfriend credit cuz I had zero clue. I mean, I'm dressed up like if you know the pictures, I'm wearing like long pants, <laughs> long sleeve shirt. It's like summertime. <laughs> like no clue. So it was, it was wild, man. The red, yeah. we had the red, white, and blue flags out. Yeah. And everybody was, I mean, from all different running clubs too, because yeah. all different people. And yeah, he did a great job. And 
Um, I just know, you know, David had reached out to me, which obviously from your boyfriend and others, I think Laura might've reached out too, but um, I'm just so glad because so many times when we hear about something like that, it's just easy to say, well, I don't know all these people all that well. Do they really want me to come? And I'm just like, fuck that. I'm going, man. Oh, I'm yeah, like, no, go wish Roberta well, man. Holy shit. This is, I'm definitely going. I was like so happy, like David and yeah. Laura had said something to come. And I was like, I'll, I'll come. And I mean, it was just, it's everything about what makes our sport special. Everything about it, if you could bottle that, that's what it is. That's what makes it special because when other people believe in us, um, I mean, we we can't do anything in life if we don't believe in ourselves. I mean, I'm a huge Goggins guy, and it's like you have to look at yourself in the mirror. You've got to be honest. You have to be brutally honest about how you're training, how are you working, how you're interacting with people you care about in your life. Like, what can you do better, and what aren't you doing a good job at? What are you like? Just hey, I suck right now. Reality, like, and you know, when we own those things and we like take control of those things, like we can really like rise to a different level. But you believe in yourself. I believe in myself. Other runners do. But but when you have a whole damn community of people who are just like, go, Roberta, yeah. making signs, like that's like next level. Um, and then to pay it off, like to pay it off and like go deep and just push to the wall and come in six, like that's, and you know, I didn't even know about all the media stuff. It makes sense. I mean, it was an international race, of course, yeah, but you know, so fun. you deserve it. Um, and that's wonderful. Um, that you got to experience all that. Um, and you know, just the experience, experience of a lifetime. And then, you know, your, your, your son had already done a report on you. So I'm sure one of the other ones will be ready to come up with another one soon. Whoever's on the younger end, you know, they'll be, they'll be ready to step forward with that. So yeah. I know community is like huge to you. Um, but not just, you know, the running community, like charitable stuff. Yes. Um, near and dear. Like I know for years, you know, you've been doing the shoe drives for souls, yes. souls for souls, like huge. I know you do things with autism awareness. Mm -hmm. I know you work in healthcare. So like, do you know why, like, I know why I have big feelings for those kinds of things. Cause it was my mom. It was just like, she just, because she was always selfless in her life and everything was for her boys and not just us the grandkids and her employees at work. And just, it was always about everyone else except her. So like, I just think we just saw that every day of our lives. So like when we get an opportunity to do something for her, and then as I got older for my son and for his friends and the teams I coach, like it's just something that just made me so fucking happy, like to do things for other people to help. Like for you, like, where do you think that spirit came from and like has grown stronger because I see how much it matters to you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's giving, it's paying it forward in some way. Um, and you know, I could never be down on my life, you know, in the sense of what I have. And I like to also bring awareness to things like, you know, we have shoes on our feet, you know, we can go buy a $200 pair of running shoes multiple times over and over again. And then we're just tossing them, you know, we're throwing them out and there's kids that don't have shoes, you know, or there's, you know, the first drive I did, it was more for the women in these third world countries. They are getting sent to them and they're starting a business. They're creating a business. They're providing for their families. You know, how amazing is that, you know, off those shoes? So, I mean, for me, it's finding things that are maybe near and dear to me. Autism is something, you know, um, I speak publicly, you know, that, you know, maybe I have a child that has like a form of autism, you know, high functioning, but still 
bring awareness to it, you know? Um, so for me, it's just, like I said, it's, I think it's part of who I am paying forward, giving that's my nurse in me, you know? Um, and so I just, yeah, it's just a, a calling. I can't really say much more than it's just a calling to do things like that. Great. Well, it's, um, people notice that and, you know, you have a position in the running world, like people notice you and they're aware of not just who you are as a runner, but that you're doing those kind of things. And it encourages people. It's one of the reasons that I talk to every single guest about it, because every idea, everything someone is doing in their own community makes somebody else think of something that they could be doing or something that maybe no one has done yet. And it doesn't have to have anything to do with running, man. It can be about volunteering at a dog shelter or, you know, at the church or just a hundred other things. Um, but the point is when we do something for others, we always feel better about ourselves. So we all need to, we all need to do more of it. So just a couple more things. Cause, um, you know, we covered a lot of ground. Um, <laughs> so it makes sense to me that with community service and being such a big thing for you, that coaching would be a natural thing for you. And, um, you know, I personally, you may not know, or maybe I did tell you, maybe I didn't, but, you know, during COVID, I did a ton of charity running and I ran 10 marathons and 10 weeks for healthcare workers and just was doing, ran for ribs and just did all these other things. Cause I just, I, I really wasn't interested in doing virtual racing and it just didn't really appeal to me. And CPTC was functioning and doing great, but they were all doing organized workouts and, you know, they were going to Randall's and they were doing track workouts and they were being incredibly cautious about, you know, yeah. COVID and whatnot. But I just let my membership lapse. I hadn't paid my dues. And, uh, you know, I saw that you were coming back. And now this it hadn't been publicly announced. It was all my friends that are on the board and everybody. And they're all like, Roberta's going to be our road coach. And I'm just like, I'm like, damn, man, I got to come back to CPTC immediately. <laughs> so like everyone that, knew, well, everyone that knew, but yeah. it was way before it was out. And, you know, it wasn't way before. It was, you know, maybe a week or so before it was announced or whatever. But Everybody's like, well, you got to come back now. You got to come back now. So, yeah. you know, just for me personally, because it's a chance to tell you in person on a podcast, look at across the Zoom screen, yeah. like Tony was an amazing guy. I mean, just Absolutely. gave so much to this club, like 30 years or maybe not 30s, but whatever, close to 30 years as an amazing runner, amazing guy in the community. Um, and just incredible at how much he did for our club. And, you know, he's moving on he's doing his own thing now. And that's wonderful. But, um, for you to have this opportunity um, to come in because it is an opportunity to do things in a fresh way, in a new way, because who's ever coaching, Devin, you, Tony, whomever, workouts after a while can become rote. They can kind of become the same seasonally as we get towards marathon season in New York and, you know, in the summer when we're running shorter distances. So it's such an opportunity for you to kind of put your own imprint on how we're going to train, how we're going to approach training. And I already see, you know, like long runs, you know, putting fueling out. These are things that we've never done as a team um, and never had the opportunity to do. So for me, as a guy who's a serial marathoner, um, you know, back to your comment before about uh, road, you know, whatever, which was hilarious. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll run a marathon every weekend. I don't care. So like, I'll just yeah. keep training and do long runs every weekend. But um, it's just so it's exciting to have you with us. Um, and I, I, the energy is so good and people are so excited, um, for the change, you know, to have you with us. And, uh, what does it, what does it feel like so far? Like being part of our club and, yeah. um, you've been on some amazing teams, you know, as a runner, but now you can direct, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. 
I mean, like you said, this was something that was naturally going my way, like what I wanted to do, another way of paying it forward. So during COVID for me, I did some soul searching. I wasn't running as much. And um, so I took some coaching certifications, USATF and RRCA. And and I started coaching some people like, you know, virtually just some female runners that had reached out. And I knew that I wanted to pay it forward and give back in a way. And this kind of came to me for Central Park Track Club. And I was like, wow, yeah, this is a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, to be part of a team in New York City, the culture is so rich in New York City for running. And um, obviously, you know, Tony, 20, I think four, 25 years, like, you know, I, I didn't know him personally, but I, you know, heard great things. But I was like, gotta, gotta, gotta go give this opportunity and and see what happens. And so far, I'm absolutely loving it. You know, uh, meeting, making friends, but coaching and getting to know people. It's a little overwhelming at first. I, you know, there's how many hundreds of runners on the club, and I'm trying to remember everybody. But everybody's been very gracious with me and giving me that time. And I make mistakes, and uh, it's a balance. I mean, I knew going into it that. Um, you know, I'm still working a full-time nursing job. I'm raising my three kids. I'm also running, you know, my running career and this came too, but you know, just like everything else I give, I, I give a hundred percent. So I am, you know, out there doing it. Um, and super excited to see what happens. You know, I'm excited to coming into the next marathon cycle with everybody because I kind of came in, you know, halfway through Boston. So, um, excited to, you know, grow and, and learn. I think that's the thing about coaching. It's a beautiful experience. You, you learn from, you know, your athletes, you get feedback and, and that's how it works, you know? Um, so I'm excited. I am enjoyed it. Uh, I will have to say maybe the traffic is a little dicey for me coming from New Jersey, but you know, I have to learn to get my Zen on and just, Hey, go with the flow. If it's going to take me two hours to get into the city, that's what it takes. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a tough piece for you because, and I know where you're coming from. Um, it's just a tough piece for you and I'm, I'm in Weehawken, so I'm so close. Um, and a lot of times I'll just take the ferry and then just run up to the park. Um, uh, but it depends on if I'm going to eat after a workout or something and not come back home and cook cause it's going to be later. Then sometimes I take the car, you know, <laughs> See, we talk, we can talk about this. I've been doing my intermittent fasting where I eat my dinner at three thirty, four o'clock now. Ah. And then I don't, I don't eat until the next day after my run. Interesting. It's a new thing. I'm trying because the same thing. I was coming home at nine o'clock at night, nine thirty. I can't eat that late. Yeah. So I'm trying this. It's been working for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I like, you know, this is how, but this is how we learn any of this stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone knows it's not healthy to eat. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're eating a salad. I don't care if you're yeah. eating. It's not even a matter of calories. It's, whatever is going in there is not going to get digested. It's going to sit digested. there. You're not. You're not going to sleep well because heart you, rates up. Everything because you're trying to digest. Yeah, it just so. it throws every <laughs> it throws everything into a tailspin. But yeah, I've thought about some of that stuff, or even just using some other product like Tailwind or none, like you said, or something light beforehand, and then warm up extra early you know, to make myself have to go to the bathroom the way it would be for a race. It's different for you guys because on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're doing a workout. So I'm not. Yes. So it's a different scenario. Although 
Tuesdays is hard because I do a workout Wednesday morning, but I've tried it. I've done this 16, 18 hour fast and it hasn't affected my workout the next day yet, but that's not marathon training. So we'll see what happens, but <laughs> that's a whole other talk. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely a whole other talk. And, uh, and by the way, you're running quite a bit on Thursdays when you're chasing us around and running around the park. So it's not like you're not running, but it's just a, a different kind of mileage, but it's still good to see you out there as we're, uh, making our way across a muddy bridle. And we'll be very happy to have our roads back. Uh, after the last couple of weeks. So that'll be good. And um, last thing, I can't let you go with asking you about your Pittsburgh Hall of Fame induction because that was a huge thing. And then also you didn't just go back home for that. I mean, you were pacing in the half marathon, you ran the 5K. I'm pretty sure you won the 5K, I think. Yeah. (laughs) So that had to be pretty awesome. I mean, was that, I know, do you get back often? I mean, um, how how does that work for you with, you know, getting back to the family in, in Pittsburgh? Yeah. I mean, I try to go back at least a couple of times a year. Usually it's over the holidays, once over the summer. Um, but this was like 2020 induction. So again, COVID had thrown a wrench into that too. And, um, and then I, you know, end up long story short, you know, I had that elbow surgery for a non, you know, I had some tendon tears in my elbow. So I was going to race the half marathon initially, but then I uh, had this surgery that put me out of running for six weeks. So I reached out to the elite coordinator. I said, I really want to still be involved. I would love to, again, get forward. I'll help pace. What can I do to be part of this experience? And they were, you know, it was fun to go pace. And then I decided just to challenge myself four weeks out of like uh, coming back into running. I was like, Oh, just do the 5k as a workout. So that's what I did there. But the hall of fame experience itself, I mean, just being inducted, and being honored. I mean, it's my hometown ish, you know, that area and, uh, what an honor, you know, to them, for them to feel that, you know, for me to be included in, in this, uh, hall of fame. So it was a, uh, it was an experience. It was wonderful to go back home and do that. So. Awesome. What a great, uh, what a great experience for you, not only to do the races and do the pacing, but to get honored and, and be part of the community, you know, where, where the roots are from. And last, before we roll out, what um, what's big that you're setting your sights on, either in the near term or long term, like further out? Like what's something you're going to put some real focus on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fall marathon. Um, I, you know, I'll be 45 in January. I want to give it one true go on a faster course um, and see what I got, you know? So I want to go into it fresh. Like I said, I've been, I've been back to running for over two months now. We're going to do, do another month of base building, getting some speed back and then really go hard, um, for this marathon cycle. And, um, and then I turned 45 and, uh, I, I've had some discussions with, uh, people really want me to run this new, this Jersey city marathon. So we'll see, uh, we'll see. So maybe that's the spring, but, and then it's, you know, ultimately I want to stay as active and fit as I can for the, the 2024 trials as I did qualify. And as of 2020, I didn't finish the, the trials. So I really would like to go back and finish and I will finish even if I'm last place and maybe one of the oldest people there, I'm going to finish the race. So I would like to do at least, you know, two more marathons before that, before the trials, just to stay, you know, competitive. Cool. And you haven't committed to a race yet, right? And if you have, you, you would tell us, obviously. You can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know how it works. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah th- you know how it works. I haven't, uh, I have made my decision on a race. Um, I haven't heard back hundred percent, but it should be, should be in. So 
It's all good. Whatever it is, we'll be rooting for you. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and we'll be we'll be excited for you. And we'll be uh we'll be logging the miles with you. Um yeah. I can't help you anymore. But I mean, <laughs> except for your warm-up and cool down miles. But uh I'm excited for the long run team workouts. They're gonna they're gonna help a lot. Um I do so many of those alone and um, you know, just my a lot of friends and peers in my age group, they're just not running marathons anymore. And if they are, they're running one a year and they think I'm completely off my rocker. So that's good. That makes me feel good if they think that way about me. Um, so that just gets my own juices flowing. So um, look forward to um, following what is next for you. And so excited to have you on finally to hear and share all of this amazing stuff with the Run Chats audience. I know it's going to inspire tons of people uh, to get out there and try really hard stuff and get after it. And uh, chase big goals, man. And just, uh, you know, keep doing the great things you're doing, setting the amazing example for your boys. And for all of us masters runners who chase that faster as a master, hashtag, yep. <laughs> you know, you are the leader of that pack or certainly one of the leaders of that pack for sure. And just be curious. That's what I would tell your audience. Yeah. Hell yes. Be curious. Hell yes. Fearless and curious. All right. I well, like it's it. been wonderful. And thank you again for being so patient with me and my busy schedule. <laughs> yeah, it was all it was all worth it, Roberta, for sure. So we sign off every show. We tell everybody to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, that was such a treat to finally get a chance to sit down with Roberta and have this long-awaited convo. I've been one of her biggest fans for a long time. And uh, she's just inspiring as hell. No other way to put it. And as somebody raised by a mom with two brothers, so there's three of us, just like she has her three boys, I always have a soft spot for somebody like that who's on the go to baseball games and practices and school events and being a full-time nurse. So working in the healthcare community, also near and dear to my heart. And now, you know, stepping up in another way to give back to our sport uh, coaching Central Park Track Club, becoming our road coach, um, to give back more in the community. So it's easy to see why so many people are inspired by Roberta. Not only is a great runner, but is a great person, somebody who uses her big heart in the community for good and uses her platform uh, to spread positive messages and is just simply put an inspiring person to follow. So I hope uh, it was fun you know, taking a tour back to memory lane from her start at her first marathon, running 311 in Pittsburgh and qualifying, you know, her first Boston qualifier all the way up to the first time she walked into the church in Boston with an elite bib on and just wondered what the heck she was doing there. Um, I enjoyed this convo so much and I hope you all uh, have a lot of takeaways from it and are moved and inspired uh, to follow Roberta's journey because I know I'm excited to see where she takes it from here. So, uh, everybody, keep uh, keep listening, keep getting the work done. Uh, be patient, stick with it. Um, in time, if you if you continue to put the work in, good results will follow. And uh, if you enjoy this convo and you feel like it moved you in some way, if you have a moment to hop hop on Apple Podcasts and do a quick review uh, or rate the episode, it really does help us 
find new listeners to the show. And most importantly, it helps me get great guests like Roberta to come on and share their inspiring journeys. So I thank you all from the bottom of my heart, everyone who does that and who's listening and uh, a part of our Run Chats crew. We appreciate every single one of you. I wish you all the best with your running. And as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight, my friends. Peace out. Peace out.